Welcome to In Ohio Country Today on WHIO Dayton's News and Talk, 1290 AM and 95.7 FM. I'm Dan Wilson, and this week, our feature story is from Farm Science Review. We have Executive Vice President of the Ohio Farm Bureau, Adam Sharp. In fact, we'll have several stories from the Farm Science Review coming your way over the next couple of weeks. And if you want more information about these podcasts, our television show, and so much more, please check us out on the web at inohiocountry.com. That's inohiocountry.com. We'll have all that and more this week in Ohio Country Today. Accurate, dependable, and easy to understand. That's been Great Plains' philosophy on drills since their origins in 1976. Whether you need the small 5-foot drill for your food plot or the massive 50-foot drill for record-setting planting, Great Plains has every size and type of drill you need. Alan Davis, business owner, active farmer. No one knows farmers' needs better than Alan. Give him a call today at 419-738-7447 and talk about total farm protection and more. Allen Davis Insurance Agency is your solutions provider for auto, home, life, business, recreational, total farm protection and more. Call 419-738-7447. That's 419-738-7447. Hello once again, everyone. We're at the Ohio Farm Bureau Federation building on the grounds of the Farm Science Review. And we have the opportunity to speak with the Executive Vice President of Farm Bureau here in Ohio, Adam Sharp. Adam, I know that the organization has had a lot of challenges coming out of COVID. Uh, Those challenges mostly in in the rears or are there still some challenges? Yeah, well, there's still a few challenges, but, you know, farmers like to get together, and Farm Bureau is about engaging people, right, getting people together, uh, both uh, to work together uh, for advancing agriculture, right, and advocating for agriculture and for Ohio farmers, uh, but also uh, uh, to learn, uh, to interact, to grow professionally, to grow our businesses. Um, we, we like to be together. Um, so, so COVID did make that difficult for a year and a half. Um, but Farm Science Review today, this is fantastic uh, to finally be back out here, have our building open, have all these folks out here, have lots of members rolling through the building. Uh, uh, farmers... Uh, Taking part in Farm Science Review is, it, it, it's two-part, right? It's like kind of like I like to say. On, on one side, there's a, there's a big social aspect to it. People like to see each other. They like to talk. Um, they like to uh, uh, get informed on things. But the second part is learning and education and the science and the, and the advancement of the industry um, and learning what's new, what's happening, uh, what, what are things that are coming up the pike right, for us. So Farm Science Review represents both of those things very, very well. So come out of COVID, we couldn't ask for a better, uh, a better time to have an event now. Um, it granted, you know, thank you know, COVID spikes and up and down and up and down. So we'll keep managing it. Uh, but I feel like uh, organizationally, uh, we're in a very good place uh, with people getting back together. We had a whole slew of county annual meetings over the last two months. So people are out and about. They're getting together. Uh, they're enjoying being together. They're enjoying uh, advocating for agriculture together. Um, so it, is, it has been a nice turn here this summer with having a number of in-person events again. We're getting organizations together and uh, the government together. There's legislators out here, and everybody has to uh, come together and make that discussion, have the dialogue to know how to move together positively. 
Yeah, well, you got the the, pre, the new president of Ohio State University, so uh, uh, Dr. Johnson's here. Uh, so we appreciate her being here this morning. And then, of course, the governor, Mike DeWine, being here this morning as well. So both of those folks being here as well as so many of our great legislative leaders uh, who support agriculture in the state, all being here this morning to kick off uh, this Farm Science Review is really good to see and to hear their comments, right? So so you have both of those folks uh, focused, and both of them have a background or it, a sector of interest, right? Um, from their professional side or their personal side that intersects with what this Farm Science Review is all about. Uh, Christina Johnson, her, her as an engineer um, and, and having a number of patents that she holds, she's just an impressive person and she connects so well with agriculture, right? And science of agriculture. And that's what this is all about, the future of agriculture. Out here, it's about technology advancement. It's about innovation. It's about uh, uh, where the industry's headed. So she connects so well with that. And then, of course, the governor's rooted in agriculture. His family comes from agriculture. Agriculture. Um, uh, their family had their seed business. He still owns farm ground. Uh, he's very proud of that. Um, we're glad to see him out here. And he talked about some key issues, right, for the future of the state and for agriculture, whether it's water quality and doing good work that we're doing in the northwestern part of the state, but really all over the state. Uh, but then also uh, broadband expansion, for example, and helping rural infrastructure. Two big issues he talked about this morning to kick off the Farm Science Review, things that we really do appreciate his attention to um, and his uh, investment in from the state level. And he said he gave great recognition to our state legislative leaders, um, he couldn't have done it without them, right? So uh, uh, those folks bought into that vision. Uh, there's so many great leaders here who share that vision, I should say, uh, and advocated equally uh, to make sure we put new dollars into investment, into rural Ohio, into agriculture, and advancing the food industry that's so strong in this state. Well, historically speaking, farmers have never been shy about expressing what they would like to see done. And uh, the thing I think I like uh, most about Farm Bureau is the grassroots effort and, and the meetings that you've had in the past to uh, get to where we are today, taking things higher and higher. And maybe not everything uh, gets done, but pretty much everything gets done. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, we're, we are a grassroots organization and our policy comes from the grassroots. Uh, we had a meeting last night with about 50 of our members uh, over in the eastern part of the state. And, and we're talking about the future of the organization, right? So where are we now? Uh, and where do we want to head to? Um, and, and part of that is, is always anchored in advocacy. Um, so the issues come up from the grassroots. Um, uh, we, we get together all those voting delegates at our annual meeting, which is upcoming here in December, um, and they vote on these policies. You know, they, you know, and, and that's almost 400 people, right, from, that represent every single county in the state, every type of walk of agriculture in the state. Uh, and they come together and they say, these are the things we care about, and these are the policies we want to set, and these are the things we want to advocate for in advance. Um, so, you know, water quality is a, is a, big, is a big deal there. Their broadband's a big deal there too, but also a number of other things. Growing that rural infrastructure in Ohio, making sure that you can live in rural Ohio, that you can be educated in rural Ohio, that you can have access to jobs and businesses and grow businesses in rural Ohio. Um, uh, a lot of times those are connected to agriculture, but not always. We want to make sure that all those opportunities are there for people in rural Ohio, um, and that's very important to our state. Uh, but looking at that future of the industry, you know, that's what we're talking about here today. Uh, I see all the young people coming in, right? All these FFA uh, youngsters, you know, not so young and anymore, right? 16, 17, 18 teenagers that are coming in here thinking about a career in agriculture. Um, so our organization has always been very supportive of that future of the industry, right? So getting young people involved and seeing where they can build a career in Ohio agriculture. Um, and I say Ohio agriculture because they can, they, can, they can learn here and they can go to a lot of places. Uh, but we hope they can, can learn agriculture and stay here and build this industry uh, in the state of Ohio. Um, so great future there. Uh, this place uh, recognizes that, uh, all the work that Ohio State University does and Dean Crest 
does uh, to welcome everybody like she did so well this morning uh, and then to host such a terrific event like this again this year is fabulous to get the young people out here as well of all, all of us who've, who are well rooted in the industry already. Another thing that I enjoy about Farm Bureau here in the Buckeye State, uh, as a delegate body, when you get, come together for the annual meeting, yep. different counties, maybe those counties don't agree, and you have a, a pretty good dialogue before you vote and, and come up with the final vote. Yeah, yeah. annual meetings coming up in December. We're looking forward to having an in-person annual meeting this year. Uh, that's, that's, that's the plan, as we want to be together again in December uh, uh, for our annual meeting. And that's right. Uh, uh, you know, Ohio is a terrific state in that regard, where um, we, we don't always think about it as being so different in different parts of the state, but it is. You know, when you look at uh, the Appalachian part of our state, uh, the flatter western parts of our state, up along the lake, down along the river. Um, we have very different regions of the state, and those issues can vary. Water quality in the northwest, or water quality on the river. Water transportation on the river, right? Um, when you think about oil and gas development in the eastern part of the state, or solar or wind anywhere in the state. Um, when you think about the types of agriculture, whether it's row crop, livestock, or specialty crop, um, we have all of that. Right, and, and it's not even just all central, centralized in one part of the state. You see each of those different parts of agriculture spread around the state in different areas. Um, and that's something that does make Ohio agriculture a bit unique uh, in that regard. Um, they also, uh, the good part of that too is that brings all of us together in agriculture. So in Ohio agriculture, uh, uh, Farm Bureau, we, we enjoy working with all of our partners. So uh, the commodity groups are our good friends. Um, uh, we all share that passion for agriculture. So as a team, we work together very well in Ohio uh, with, with Farm Bureau, uh, with the land Grant University, Ohio State, with our partners like Nationwide, uh, and then of course all those commodity groups. Um, so a lot of great partners here, and that's what allows us to be successful in the state when we work together, not against each other. Now in this past year or two, there's been a lot of uh, change in the industry. There's been change at Farm Bureau as well. You've lost a lot of people that have had a lot of experience that have retired, uh, but at the same time, you have allowed other people to come in with a lot of experience too. Uh, the one constant with Farm Bureau uh, and with agriculture, I guess, is change, but change yep. can be good. Absolutely, yeah. We are blessed with great staff um, and a lot of young people um, who intern with us uh, aspire. They, they really want to work for us. And that, that's a testament to the organization itself um, and to the great work that so many of our staff do is, is people want to be part of that. And um, we've never had a problem. Uh, that's the good part. We've never had a problem when we, when we have a new job or, or one of these individuals retire um, uh, who've done great work for us, uh, that we have young people that want to jump in. They want to be an ag advocate. They want to communicate for agriculture. Um, so, so that's been terrific. We've, we've been blessed with that for sure. And, uh, and we miss some of our great people. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, Keith Stempert retired last year with over 40 years, you know, working for this organization and just making such a mark, you know, on Ohio agriculture. Um, uh, unfortunately, we lost y Yvonne Lasisco, you know, um, uh, very unexpectedly. Um, and another person who's left just a terrific mark, right, on this organization and agriculture. Um, so, you know, Joe Corneli retired a year ago, uh, uh, you know, after a terrific career in broadcast and then with the Farm Bureau. So great people. Uh, and those are shoes you can't ever say you can fill them because you can't fill those shoes. Uh, but you can absolutely uh, help bring up the next generation uh, to, to, to equally leave their mark right, on this industry. And uh, uh, looking forward to that. we got some great young people working for this organization. Uh, I, again, I think we feel very blessed in that. It's, it's something we care a lot about is, is, is helping those, those young agriculture members right, that are part of our organization, right? get people into our organization, get people into the industry, um, and just really hopefully help them flourish.
I guess you want to reach those people as early as possible, yeah. um, maybe even parents that are watching right now. Uh, how's the best way for people to get in touch? Yeah, so one of the, a couple different programs that we offer, and one of those things is if you're a younger person, if you're in high school and you, you might have an interest, um, and we say in agriculture, but a lot of times people don't know what that means. Um, so if you have an interest in STEM, science, the environment, food, or agriculture, kind of that whole space, right? That's the space we occupy heavily across that whole spectrum. Um, so we have a program called Explore Ag. Um, so Explore Ag, and you can search, Google search out with Ohio Farm Bureau, um, and you can pull up our, our page on that, Explore Ag. And that's a, that's a program I call it a glorified college visit. It's about, it's about five days. Young people can come and spend that time at Ohio State University or one of the other partner groups, um, and it can spend five days learning about careers in agriculture. We run it like a summer camp. It's, it's five days. It's free, by the way. It's free. We have all of our great partners sponsor that. So young people can come. They can learn about the industry. They can learn about opportunities and careers uh, through that program. And that helps them make, hopefully, some choices uh, that they can come in the industry. So that's that's aiming at a younger person, at a high school student. Um, but then also we have our Young Ag uh, Professionals Program, our YAP program. Uh, you can also find that on our website uh, at OFPF.org. Uh, and the YAP program is for people that are 18 to 35. So those are young people coming into the industry. Um, they may be studying the industry right now in school or coming into the industry. And it's a great place for them to meet uh, to develop, to learn, uh, to and basically to build relationships with other young people that share the same interests that they do. Um, so what we found with that YAP program is, you know, a lot of young people you know, that are coming into the industry, they, they want to learn from each other. They want to make friends, right, and build networks in the industry. That program allows that. Adam Sharp, the Executive Vice President of the Ohio Farm Bureau Federation. Adam, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And stay with us. Back with more right after this. Harvest starts here with proper tillage from Great Plains, available at your local Apple Farm Service. Great Plains understands the true agronomic potential in every machine that comes off their line. Stop by your local Apple Farm Service to learn what Great Plains solutions we offer. Our farm department is committed to providing ag professionals the products, coverages, and peace of mind needed to run a successful operation. With our home office located in the heart of farm country, Many of us have first-hand experience when it comes to farming, and we know how to take out the risk. Under one policy, we can provide total protection of your investment, from your home and barns, to your equipment and livestock. We also provide an outstanding equine coverage, from a homeowner with a single horse, to a professional breeder, and everything in between. Come join us and experience the Salina difference. Salina Insurance Group. Check them out on the web at salinainsurance.com. Hello once again, everybody. At Farm Science Review, we have the opportunity now to visit with Glenn Arnold. And boy, this takes me back. I think I started my career out uh, visiting with Glenn back in the day. Glenn, uh, tell us what your title is now and, and, and what areas you still inv are involved with. Oh, Gary, I'm a field specialist with the Ohio State University Extension. My focus is primarily on manure utilization. So I spend most of my time working with livestock producers, primarily in western Ohio, to do a better job with livestock manure. Okay, basically for those uh, that might be from uh, the city, might not be from the farm, this is uh, trying to get rid of that waste uh, in a uh, very environmentally friendly way so there's no runoff or very little, if, if any. And I'm sure that there's been a lot of advancements over the years. Right. Water quality is on the forefront of all farmers. You know, they do their very best to get this manure applied in an environmentally friendly manner. 
And what we do with our research is try to show them ways that they can do a better job with manure application. For example, you can capture more of the nitrogen in manure if you can apply that uh, to a growing crop, such as corn or wheat. So we try to work on that. And the other thing we want to try to avoid is putting our eggs in one basket where we're going out there with fall application of manure because we know that's not the best time to put manure out. It's necessary, of course, at times, but we want to widen as many days of the year and as many windows as we can to apply manure throughout the growing season. I guess scheduling is very important in the the overall operation, not only on the farm, but getting along with your neighbors. Right, right. We do our best with that. And the you know, if you want, went back 30 years, we would say do our best not to apply manure on weekends or before holidays or family gatherings. These days, as farms are larger and manure um, uh, storage facilities are bigger, we almost have to apply almost any given opportunity we can. Most people still try to avoid the weekends if they can with their manure application. But again, we have, you know, there's lots of other things we watch for. For example, we have to follow rules in the Northwest part that we didn't follow many, many years ago. You know, the, uh, you can't have a greater than a 50% chance of a half inch of rain within 24 hours. That's a rule that we follow. We don't do more than 20 consecutive acres uh, if the ground is, is uh, frozen. Um, permitted farms are not allowed any manure winter, winter manure application. So there's a lot of new rules that we deal with that we didn't have many years ago. We just try to, to work manure in as best we can as a management practice. Well. Growing up in northwestern Ohio myself, I know that there was a uh, pretty big hog operation that it went in just west of us, and so there was no problem at all calling up the uh, the, the owner-operator of that hog farm and saying, hey, I've, I've got uh, a group of people coming in next week. Uh, could you alter your your manure spreading uh, around that so we don't have to, you know, there's no odor out there? and. There was no problem with that because farmers want to be good neighbors. I believe that too. And, and so that's something that uh, they, they want to do. Uh, as far as technology goes, what, what have we seen over the years, say the last 20 years? How's that advanced? Well, the way the technology's changed, you know, we've gone primarily from solid manure to liquid manure, of course. But even in the liquid manure, we've gone to much larger pumps, the ability to move manure greater distances. In, in the last few years, Many of the liquid manure applicators have gone to tw- 10 or 12 inch main lines, which has enabled them to move manure two, three, four miles out from a facility, which was almost unheard of before without booster pumps. So you've got that. And the other new technology you've seen a lot of applicators looking at is putting manure on semi tanks to move at greater distances from the field. So it's not unusual for commercial manure applicators to have a whole fleet of semi trucks to move the manure out away from the uh, storage facility so the manure gets out to fields where it, where it's more needed. So a, lo- a lot of advancements and I'm sure a lot of uh, uh, local um, groups and uh, organizations have aided that uh, local producer along the way to to get to where we are today. Right. You know, in the recent years, we've had the H2 Ohio program come in, and that pays producers to incorporate their manure in fields that are low enough in phosphorus that they need that. So that's an encouragement for farmers to take manure greater distances than they did before. Also, there's a lot of encouragement for cover crops 
for variable rate application for a lot of different technologies that it might have been more difficult for a farmer to invest in that before, but now that he knows there's an opportunity for some additional revenue, they can make those investments. Well, Glenn, can you tell us a little bit about what, what kinds of manure is out there? Sure. One of the uh, manures that most people aren't aware of is poultry manure. We have, uh, we have uh, a lot of poultry production in Ohio. We're second in the nation in poultry production, and that manure is in a dry form. And generally, because it's dry and you're not hauling large volumes of liquid, poultry manure travels more than 100 miles from its source in this state. And a lot of it's brought into western Ohio or northwest Ohio, and they're applied at a rate of about two tons per acre, which meets the two-year crop requirements for, for P205. Another type of manure is more of the liquid manure. Almost all of your dairy farms are liquid manure simply because it's the best way to handle that at this time. And almost all of your hog facilities are liquid manure, whether they be sow units or finishing barns. So liquid manure, we primarily put in tankers or we do it through a dragline hose, whereas the solid manure is primarily handled through um, solid manure application equipment. So those are the two biggest ones that we deal with most of the time. And of course, there's still the uh, bedded beef pack manure, bedded dairy manure from time to time. But the volume of that is much less than what we deal with with the liquid manures in the state. Well, Glenn, from a safety aspect, uh, handling manure uh, can be a dangerous proposition, if not done correctly. Yes, um, that's something that has cropped up in agriculture time and time again over the years. Um, when we look at dealing with liquid manures, anytime manure has an opportunity to set for a while in an anaerobic situation, which would be everything underneath the crust of the soil, when that get uh, crust of the manure, when that gets disturbed, you can release gases. In most livestock barns, the primary liquid gas that we run into is ammonium. And that's fairly common. It's lighter than air. It'll rise pretty rapidly. It's something that we uh, always have wanted farmers to be aware of. But the one that really uh, is the most dangerous and lethal um, in the short term can be hydrogen sulfide. And again, hydrogen sulfide is released during the agitation process or anytime manure is moved. Uh, you'll have hydrogen sulfide released. And because it's heavier than air, it'll sit in any low area. And if, a, if an animal or a human were to enter those areas where hydrogen sulfide is, uh, it doesn't take very long at all before you cannot breathe and you'll collapse from a lack of oxygen in your lungs and then you can drown in liquid manure. So hydrogen sulfide is by far the deadliest. It's one that we always, always want to be aware of. We need to be pumping fresh air into facilities when there's any type of mineral agitation going on. And uh, Ohio, you know, got a, a bitter reminder of this with the loss of the three brothers in Mercer County recently. And, you know, it's one of those things where you can enter a building many, many, many times and not have an issue. But sometimes the environmental conditions are just right and the agitation of the, of the manure is just right that the conditions build up to creating a, a hazard like we ran into there. I, su I suppose that repeated education over and over again, even on the farm, is the best thing to do. It's best to develop habits, you know, where you don't enter facilities, where you try to take the time. Farmers are so busy, and they also work by themselves so often that there just isn't immediate help right there when someone experiences a, a problem on a farm. So you want to develop good habits and you want to try to um, uh, be wary 
of situations on your farm where there's danger, whether it be pinch points, rollovers, entanglements, gases, whatever, and you just try to develop the best habits you can so that when you're unconsciously, you know, working hard and you're going at things, um, you know, habits can kick in and try to protect you as best possible. Okay, before we leave, uh, one other question. Um, of course, we, as we talk about manure management and, and application, uh, we're thinking about, you know, putting it back under the ground or on, on top of the ground or whatever. But uh, is it, it, and that's a, a financial advantage to the farmer with fertilization. Are there any other avenues that farmers can use that manure for to affect that bottom line? Well, it's been a, a lot of effort. The biggest thing we've done on our research has been to try to capture the nitrogen portion of that manure because, again, there's a lot of value in nitrogen. If we can put it on a, put it on a growing crop like corn or soybeans, we really can, can, can make good use of it, or I should say wheat. Some people have looked at digesters in the state of Ohio. Uh, we have a number of digesters that are working uh, over in Paulding County, up in Fulton County, or Williams County. Digesters have a place, but it's very difficult long-term at the current time for me to see that there's something that's a profit center for most farmers. It's just something that requires a lot of time and effort to uh, manage the digesters. And then in, in our state, we're not really set up with, uh, with uh, payments and, and things like that, um, th- that it really pays to put electricity back into the into the. Uh, uh, electrical grid. So we just need to be aware that while that may be heavily subsidized and work well in some states, you really need to look at that bottom line carefully before you make such an investment in Ohio. This gives you and, and folks like you uh, just an opportunity to do a little bit more research year after year to, to come up with something that eventually might work. Yep. You know what? opportunity may be there. The way they subsidize different things, you just never know when things like that could possibly cash flow. But it's one of those things at the current time that you really have to look at that bottom line carefully. Uh, don't go into it with your eyes closed just in case you, you know, you're surprised by the cost and the amount of management that, that digesters take. Well, Glenn Arnold, it's uh, nice to have you on with us once again. We haven't talked for a while, but uh, good to see you again. It's good to see you, Gary. And stay with us, back with more right after this. Accurate, dependable, and easy to understand. That's been Great Plains' philosophy on drills since their origins in 1976. Whether you need the small 5-foot drill for your food plot or the massive 50-foot drill for record-setting planting, Great Plains has every size and type of drill you need. That's going to do it for this week's edition of In Ohio Country Today. This radio program is part of our In Ohio Country Today podcast. And our TV show, podcast, and radio program are designed to offer news and information about the agricultural industry, specifically here in Ohio, and occasionally those issues that affect us nationally and internationally. We celebrate farming and farming families, and we feature the economic and environmental impact of agriculture, as well as other important topics for our farmers and everyone who would like to know more about this great industry here in the Buckeye State. If you want more information about our TV show, our podcast, and this radio program, please go to our website, inohiocountry.com. That's inohiocountry.com. I'm Big Dan Wilson. Have a great day, everybody.